Hi there. Thank you so much for checking out Living Well While Living Online. I will be your hosting guide, and my name is Tammy Riley. I work as the Director of Fitness and Wellbeing at Quinnipiac University, and I've been in the fitness and wellness industry for the past 26 years. Now, before we dive into any more about this podcast, I want you to just understand that you don't have to live your life completely online to benefit from the conversations that we're going to have. I promise that there are tips and tricks and insights that will benefit all of us to living a better life, whether we're Um, predominantly online or whether we're out in the trenches doing the work. Self-care is so important and that will be the crux of our conversation with all of our guests regardless of where they're coming from. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of Living Well While Living Online. I'm so grateful that you're taking the time out to tune in, and I'm super excited to have my two guests here today. I'm being brave. I'm just venturing out on this podcast thing, and I'm, I'm jumping in with two guests at once, and I figure if I could do two at once, the rest will be easy. And these are two women that I have known for decades, and I could really say that because I'm old, decades, and uh, who are just a few among of my most brilliant friends. So I'm so excited for us to have a conversation. Hopefully, we're super comfortable with each other and we could chat forever. So hopefully, we won't go off on too many tangents for you and you feel like you're sitting at uh, the bar with us. But I would love to introduce both Judy Naka and Mary Ellen Mysogland to this podcast and thank them for their time and their willingness to play along with me. It's one of the most grateful things that I, um, or the one of the things I am most grateful for with my friends is they're always willing to play along. So thank you. And I would love, these are two teachers, right? And I would love for them to both introduce themselves, give a little bit about their background, and then we'll begin with some questions. So Jude, do you want to jump in and, and tell us all about you? It would be my pleasure. So my name is Judy Naka, and I am a public school educator. I spent 13 years in urban education. I was a third grade teacher and then an instructional coach. Um, and now the past several years, I've been in suburban education as an instructional literacy coach and also interventionist, depending on um, how they uh, need to use my expertise at the time, very flexible. Um, I am a mother of two teenage girls, 16 and soon to be 18, um, graduate, uh, high school graduate of 2020. My hobbies include writing, um, specifically poetry, gardening, uh, meditating, running, walking. These are all the, the things that I have been tapping into during quarantine. And I'm also blessed to have such a great network of, of long-term friends, including the women on this podcast today. So it's, it's an honor to share any of this that, that others might connect to. And um, I'm entering my 19th year of teaching. I don't think I said that. Uh, Mary and I reconnected. Did, we did our master's together. And so we both started a little bit late, but... Um, we're in it to win it. <laughs> awesome. That's right. There's no other way. And Mary Ellen, please. Yes. Uh, Mary Ellen Mysegland. Um, I have been an educator like Judy for the last 19 years. Um, I've worked in the same district. I started out um, teaching first grade for uh, 13 years, and then I jumped up to fourth grade um, and then last year, ironically, um, I started teaching um, in the middle school in sixth grade. Um, I teach mostly math classes and one social studies class um, to sixth graders, but in a whole new um, element being in middle school, uh, which was interesting that um, everything occurred last year as it did. Um, I am the mom to two wonderful children, um, a daughter who is 31 and a son who is 26. Um, They are both living currently on the West Coast, um, and all of their movement occurred within the last year, Um, but they are both doing really well and living their adult lives. Um, In my spare time, I do like to bake um, lots of treats that my friends sometimes love and probably sometimes don't love um, just because they don't want to eat them. Um, I also like to garden, um, although my current situation doesn't allow for me to have a garden. And yeah, 
So <laughs> your treats about me. Your treats are amazing. Like you could bake professionally. That's yes, agree. I would I would love to bake professionally. Yeah, it's uh, incredible. And it's incredible. Thank so thank you. So just and just a little history, you know, the three of us grew up in Hamden. You know, that's where we are right now via Quinnipiac University. Um, I met Mary Ellen, I think I was in third or fourth grade. Um, we became friends. And yep. when we got to the high school, met the other side of town. And that's where a lot of our other friends joined us. And that's where we became, you know, connected to Judy. But I love that part of the story where everyone sort of went to college or, or had their path sort of happen, however that happened. But then later, you both, we you weren't even like talking talking or connected at that moment, ended up in this master's program together to become educators at the same time. And I think it's just such a sign that um, mm -hmm. we were just always destined to be together. So I love that piece of it. And I completely forgot about that until uh, until we just brought that up, that that actually yeah. happened as grown up. So crazy, right? It was so yeah. crazy. And literally, Judy and I were sitting in an auditorium <laughs> filled with, you know, potential candidates for this program neither one of us knowing either one of us was going to do this, having not seen each other in, I don't even know how long, at least 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, really? And literally I was sitting there and I heard mayor <laughs> <laughs> and I looked up and there was Judy. And I mean, we did, we did the whole program together. We uh, bonded with some other girls. We did worked on projects together and supported each other. And it was fabulous. Yeah. It was fabulous. So awesome. Um, so today we're we're going to delve into the idea of of how we take care of ourselves, which in I hate to use the word normal, but I'm just gonna like in our air quote world normal in in our regular typical life, right? Self care and well being and and being mindful and intentional is so hard. Um, and so I really this whole podcast will be about how the online world has shifted for a lot of us, how it's impacted. And, and maybe you're going to tell me that it really hasn't changed that much of what you do and how you perform your daily tasks, which is also completely relevant, right? There's no one way to have all of this happen. But, um, but I think that just a little history and I've worked a lot with women and I remember one of my first jobs, like running um, a fitness studio, it was an all women's studio. And most of the women who had joined the club were 40s to 60s, and they had never stepped foot in a gym in their life. A gym was never on their radar. They never thought they wanted to do it. And they were just now stepping in. And, and what, what I was uncovering, it was because they finally reached a point in their life where they felt like they could actually take care of themselves. You know, and, and our generation, we didn't grow up growing to gyms like our kids do. You know, our kids have always had gym memberships and have always moved. And like that whole thought, it's like just what people do. For us, it was my mother never belonged to a gym. I don't think you're, did Carmela? No. You know? No. Um, actually, my brother Rick did bring us to a gym when I was in high school. Oh my he, gosh. He belonged, okay. but it, did, it wasn't long lasting. Yeah. And it was like not normal. So I think like that whole idea of self-care was really, um, it, it's been newer and it's taken a lot of women. And I'm going to specifically say women a long time to grab a hold of that and to acknowledge that that's an important step in their life. So that's really, and, and definitely, you know, not to exclude the men, it's, it's definitely not easy either, but, um, I feel like they've been better at being a little more selfish with their time. And I mean that in an admiring way, not in an accusatory way. Mm -hmm. Um, right. I think we have to be more like that. And, and that is definitely, part of where we need to go. But just looking back on, you know, I'm going to say mid-March hits and life gets totally thrown on its end. And how does your world of teaching and your home life, how does that change? And are you, did you feel right? So this is called living well while living online. Do you feel like you were now living more an online life? And what did that look like for you? And I don't care whoever would like to jump in first to say. Go ahead, Jude. Go okay. for it, Jude. So I will just say that, um, you know, most educators who might be listening to this will um, understand the process of how things went with, um, we thought we were going to be out for two weeks, and then we thought we might be out for another two weeks. And so it was this, this sense that it was very temporary, and then it became temporarily permanent. And we're still, <laughs> you know, we don't have to go into the reopening. Um, but I 
um, personally thought because it was going to be temporary that we could get through that hurdle. And I think a lot of my colleagues felt the same way. But then we really had to adjust quickly when we realized we were going to be at it for a longer haul than expected. And so there was a huge learning curve of, of having to learn so many different things regarding technology that we just don't use elementary classroom, I would even say intermediate and middle school, because it's so social. You know, there, there's there's not very much about what we do other than maybe using some apps or smart boards or interactive websites, whatever it was that teachers, you know, typically use. It's not common. It, you know, we teach and we do small groups and we, we confer and all of that is one-on-one -on -one and in person. So that got ripped out from under us and we had to figure out how can I make this um, experience for my kids as meaningful as possible. So obviously we were, we were building the plane as while we were flying it and we did to the credit of the people that I work with, we did an amazing job. We, we got tons of PD going, teachers are such amazingly resilient and fast learning people. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, and I include Mary and I in that, even though I'm a coach, my, my baseline is teacher. Like I don't, I'm lateral. I don't, I'm not like anybody that's supervising anyone. So anyway, long story short, what I learned about it was that it was just um, in opposition to everything we do. So we had to walk that fine line of balancing, um, you know, this conflicted cognitive dissonance of being. And we did a great job with it, but that's because it wasn't supposed to be long-term. Um, but one thing I learned about myself is I, I mean, I love technology as it assists me to do my daily life and to be a better human being, to accrue more information, to experience things, to listen to music, et cetera, et cetera. But that is not how I want to spend my day. After my day was up, I had to really, you know, walk away and get outside and, be in the faces of the human beings that I could safely quarantine with and my pets, but I do not love it. And I was not, I wouldn't say that I was very good at it. Mm. So in a, in a normal school situation, right, you get to school, you arrive at a certain time, you teach for a set amount of time, maybe some teachers have after school hours or you involved with the program, but you definitely have a set amount of time where you're at work and then you get home. And when you're home, you know, maybe you had to grade or do a little bit of prep, but when you were home, I'm going to say you were home, right? And so you knew what you had right. to do for the next day. And when you've been teaching over and over now, Merritt was different for you this year. And you're going to talk about that. You were thrown into a whole new grade, which means you did a lot more work than normal when you're doing your normal routine, right? You sort of have things, but so your day, when you say, okay, when you got, when you would get home, you had to walk away. Like, would that be a normal time? Were you working more later? Like, how was that affecting you, Jude? Like just the time, the timeline of everything. Well, to be honest, I think one of the things that was most impactful was the lack of routine and, and the, and the lack of a, of a schedule. So <sighs> I, um, I found that to be really disruptive for me. Um, so I, I wasn't doing one-on-one -on -one small group or, or small groups like the teachers that I support were doing. So they had a much more rigorous routine. I was responsible for recording a lot of lessons and uh, getting those pushed out so that teachers um, had a, uh, had a bit of a reprieve from all of the online planning they were doing. Mm -hmm. And then I was doing meetings, but they, there was only a few that were at um, consistent times. Anything else was, can you meet at this time? So it was really all over the place. So I just tried to take breaks where, wherever I was able to. And I just realized that I was becoming incredibly like tangential and that didn't help. Like, I'm like, I, I like getting up early in the morning, doing my morning routine, going to, you know, and so this was, I honestly, like I was in a million places and, and it, and it just, it didn't sit well with me and I couldn't kind of rein it in. And then when we were done with school, like we were often done, summer is a time for respite and reading. And this just didn't even have a transition. It just went in to summer. 
<laughs> yes. And, and I definitely want to come back to that idea of summer in your normal, and I'm going to say in your normal yearly routine, because that is part of a teacher's life where you, you, you're condensed, it's intense. And then, you know, you have these months to look forward to and what that means. So I, I want to come back to that and I'm writing myself a note so that I remember. Okay. Um, I love already that you've brought up the idea of routine to me. And, and I talk about this in the first podcast. Um, routine is the crux to me of your, of your self-care and, and self-preservation mm -hmm. and getting through. And the fact that you had no control over that, right. It's, yeah. that's huge. And that really has such an impact on, on everything. And, and I know I, I said in, in the other episode, like maybe unintentionally, intentionally, but unintentionally, one of the first things I did was like, it doesn't matter that the world is shutting down and it's just crazy. And I don't know what's happening. This isn't a vacation and I'm getting up at my normal time. I'm doing my normal routine. I'm going to bed at the same time. Like those were the things that saved me. And I didn't know that, you know, I didn't know that that's what it was, but I needed that routine. So it just, to me, you know, kind of proves again, how important that is, even for people who don't realize their routine is important. It might not be an intentional or conscious thing that morning coffee at a certain time, you know, if you read the paper, if you listen to the news, like the drive into work, those simple routines really, really set the tone for what's happening and impact us. So, um, yeah, so that's, yeah. Crazy. And so then there we'll, we'll jump over. Tell me a little bit about your transition and the, the, the day or more hours or whatever it is for you as well. Yeah. I mean, I also, I mean, just to jump in on that, that mention of routine, even for our students, you know, that was a lot of feedback we got from them was, you know, they miss school. The kids that, you know, would show up in your class with their hoodie on and you, you know, their, all of their body language said they didn't want to be in school and they didn't like school. Those were the kids who ended up reaching out to us and saying like, we miss school because they need just like us, they needed that routine. Um, for me, it was a definitely a difficult year. Like you, you know, like we mentioned, it was my first year in a new grade. Um, so I had a learning curve, of course. Um, it was fortunate that it was, you know, we were th two, one third, two thirds of the way into the school year. And I just had the last third to be online. Thank goodness. Cause I, you know, we, we lost a lot of support even within teachers because you didn't have the time to have the conversations. Mm. You know, there's other math teachers in yeah. sixth grade, but I, when do you work in that time? We were all, as Judy said, you know, I like that analogy of, you know, what'd you say about the plane? Like building the plane while we're flying it, you know, it just was, mm -hmm. we were figuring it out as we went along. Of course we all had, you know, Google classroom set up. And so the kids knew how to access things, but, but we were not, dependent on that at all. And then all of a sudden that became our reality and our world. Um, I think the hardest part for any teacher, certainly for me, was missing seeing those kids, having those conversations that killed us. I mean, I'm a math teacher, so I was getting jealous of the language arts teachers because they could at least, right, they could have meetings with the students and have conversations, but you know, sixth graders aren't going to want to talk to me about math. Right. Um, it's hard enough to get them to explain the reasoning when they're sitting in front of me. They're not going to volunteer um, to sign up for a meeting and say, you know, this is how I figured out this math problem um, where, of course, you could have book discussion. So I needed to get creative um, to get my students to engage with me in, in live stuff. You know, we were desperate to see our students. We were desperate to, to hear their voices. Um, so I was doing things, especially in the last month, like math riddles and, you know, just to get the kids to come on. We were playing, we were doing scavenger hunts with them and just trying to, to, to get some of that connection back, especially once we knew we weren't going back. Um, and as Judy said, I think survival for us did come from the fact that we kept thinking it was temporary. And, and you know, I, I agree wholeheartedly with what Judy said, like, the push was, okay, only two more weeks, only a month, only two more weeks. And then once we realized we weren't going to see these kids again, we weren't going to have the closure that we all needed so badly, um, we started to get creative um, in our day. I think the other thing that was so stressful um, with the online connection is that we had students who couldn't engage during the set times that they were supposed to. So I had students, at least, you know, sixth graders who 
were emailing me at 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And I wasn't realizing that most days until the next morning. But once you know that's happening, then guess what I'm doing? I'm checking my, my emails at 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night. Right, right. Because I feel like my students deserve my my feedback right away, right? right? So what became an issue and what I had to stop was I had to, to shut myself off mm. to create a routine. Um, but those that first month, at least, I was, you know, disconnecting and having dinner and then hopping right back in, even though the administrator said not to do it, even though the co-teachers on my team said don't do it. And they were doing it too. Like, it's so hard I think you're leaving your kids hanging. So I would have kids emailing me again, you know, in the middle of the night with, I'm having a problem, you know, figuring out how to do these problems. How do I just leave them there? And knowing that they're working that late at night, right? So, but I had to. And then the emails, you know, back and forth were, hey guys, like I'm here for you all day. But like at night, you have to just understand that I probably won't get back to you till the next day. But it, that was that was hard. Yeah, I think sending that email because I think innately in this, I think I could relate to this as well. If my own student or, you know, people that colleagues, people I work with committees that I'm on, if they were emailing you at 10, 11 at night, you felt pressured to be answering like you yeah. had to because, you know, I don't know. I don't know what we thought would happen. And, you know, especially but I know for you with your children, these kids you want to help them and everyone's routine was off. So, you know, if that kid normally went to bed at nine o'clock and now the parents are like, Oh, leave them alone. As long as they're doing their homework, it doesn't matter, but it does impact you when it's 11 o'clock. And now all of a sudden you're wide awake and you're worried about them and you're not getting your stuff done. So yeah. Wow. So obviously, and people listening who are educators, everyone has, I think a similar story to this. Many of us do with our, with our work and how we felt um, and I think it was part of the lack of routine that happened for so many people. But I also think, and I've already heard this in our conversation, your ability to adapt, right? You had to get creative. Like we can't do this and we're not going to have the closure and we're not going to have this. So what can we do? And I think, you know, when we do look back, I mean, we're looking back now, but when we really look back, that is something that we're going to say, wow, like we really created things that we didn't think we could do um, because we were pushed to. And I love that that is how we survive, right? Survival of the fittest. We have to, um, right. so we, we can be resilient and, you know, you have shown that. Um, but I do want to just get back to the idea of summer for a teacher and like in a, in a normal circumstance and normal world, um, you have this intense school year and then there's that graduation day or you're sending them off and, and summer. So what does summer mean to you in the scheme of, um, you know, your, yourself and your own personal well-being? I'll jump in. Yeah. Um, so summer is definitely the restorative time. I mean, teachers are like the mythological phoenixes, you know, we, we, we go to ash and then we rebuild, right? Like, um, actually, and I actually think not just educators, but I, I feel like women are too, like, um, in many ways, but that's for me summer. And I'm not saying I, I burn up and go to ash. It's like, I, I just transform into something stronger and it's because of summer. And one of the reasons for that is summer as a teacher, we're so locked into school schedules. So summer is the time that my husband and I, who's also a teacher, we try the girls and we've, mm. we've been traveling to see family every summer um, prior to this one. This is actually the first summer that we cannot do that. Um, but just being with the family you love and the friends you love, um, reading the books you don't get time to uh -huh. read because your your nightstand is filled with every professional text that of course you want to read, but um, just to, you have to disconnect to reconnect. Like you have to let it go to come back. And summer is also a time for free floating days where it's not filled. And it's very different than the quarantine days that I had because it's like, you know that it's a, it's a day that you just get to choose what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily bleed into the next day peppered with obligations that are unstructured. Summer allows your brain to like lose structure and bring it back. And, and I find the two very quintessentially different. 
Yeah. Um, oh, I love that. Yeah. I love the analogy of the Phoenix, right? And it is true yeah. being reborn and rebuilt from the ashes. And that is what, whether, you know, it's, I'm going to sign up and go on a retreat, right? So we have this idea of retreating and why do we retreat? Mm-hmm. Not because we're running away from something. We need to spend time alone by ourselves to rebuild, to replenish, to restore. So we come back like reinvigorated and stronger, right? Because of that self-care. So summer really is that, that idea, especially for your profession. And that is super intense on any given day in a normal world, let alone in a, I just had to learn how to zoom and Google chat and, you know, use all like things that weren't even part of our conversation before this. So, uh, love that analogy. Thank you. Mayor summer for you. And and well, yeah, ironically, um, when I first got into this teaching gig, um, summers were difficult for me because of that lack of routine. Mm. I didn't understand that it was okay to have this time. Um, and then once you're teaching for a few years, you realize that you have to have this time. So I remember my beginning summers were stressful, believe it or not, because I was trying to create more of a routine. I didn't know what to do without my routine anymore. Um, So kind of going back to that. um, And that's actually, ironically, when I started going to a gym, I had never gone to a gym before. I needed to create, you know, a schedule and time in my life for me. um, And that that was one of the things I started doing. Um, Summers. And then, of course, I was teaching in the summer because a lot of teachers, you know, still need to to be doing that. So I was teaching reading for a while um, in the summer, you know, very part time, but still doing something in education. And then as you evolve into your teaching um, and you you do need you you realize that you desperately actually need that time to reboot. Um, Yes, it does become the time to see your family, the time to enjoy your life, to do the traveling, um, as Judy mentioned, to go see the people that you love that you don't get to see during the school year um, and to read the books and do the gardening and bake the cookies, um, even if your friends don't want them anymore. Um, <laughs> so, you know, yeah, it's definitely I mean, for me this year, having both of my kids on the West Coast, um, even in this pandemic, um, in this craziness, I did make uh, the trip, as you both know, to the West Coast with a dog in my car. Um, to reunite um, my son and his dog. Um, And I did get to spend, you know, the first two and a half weeks of my summer with my kids hiking and doing lots of um, outdoor fun things on the West Coast. So um, that that was so needed and so well-timed having just come out of all of that online immersion. So it was great to, you know, take that car ride. It was great to get out there and see sites that I hadn't seen um, and spend so much time outdoors. Um, so that was great. Love it. I love it. Which just brings me to the whole idea. And first of all, before I even do that, I want to say that everyone in everyone's job should have a summer off. I mean, I know this is not to diminish anyone's work, but like, God, you need that time. And we don't, we don't get it. And think of Americans. We're not even good at taking all of our vacation. So which shocks me because I need those moments uh, for sure. So I love that teachers get that time. I really do. I I think it's really important, but I just want to kind of take a step back and just for you as, as women, um, what does self-care and showing up for yourself mean, mean to you? Taking a shower (laughs) (laughs) during quarantine, getting, you know, like the, the very simple things were good. No, I, I, I'm, I'm joking. I, I, I'm really bad at self-care. So I feel like I should Mm -hmm. just defer to Mayor and let her answer. Um, Although I've gotten better because it, you know, it really is necessary. Um, You both know that I lost someone very special to me who actually, um, made me take care of myself. Every time I would visit her, she would have a massage planned for me or a pedicure planned for me. And that was one of her dying wishes. She was like, I hope that you do more self-care. So I've been trying to live up to that. So one of the routines that I kept in place was, you know, I love to read, but sometimes I'd be so tired at night that I would just read one good poem and write in my journal, just a response to that poem. Um, Just recently I started uh, going for a massage because that's something that I didn't treat myself to. And, uh, I plan to keep 
that going. Um, I've gotten good at giving myself my own pedicures. Um, <laughs> and actually, I don't really like people touching my feet. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm probably going to continue with that. Um, meditating is my go-to. And I have been actively meditating for uh, over a decade now. Um, and I would have to say that that was the thing that gave me um, the most strength during mm-hmm. this whole pandemic, because we talk about just, we talk about quarantine and, and we don't really ever say why we're doing it, why we have to do it. And that greater context of what's going on with our fellow human beings and the suffering that is out there. That was the other thing that I felt like was becoming very hard to, um, process and hold. And I don't know if you've listened to the recent Michelle Obama podcast, but so brave of her to talk about this underlying low level depression. And I think Mm. I definitely connect with that. And I think that's what makes it hard to self care because you're just trying to get through your days. And it's not just the suffering of, of, you know, COVID-19 and and losing Mm -hmm. loved ones, not being able to say goodbye to them. It's the political climate it's all of those things that we, we are not separated from. We're social beings and um, it impacts us mentally and emotionally and psychically. Yeah. So with, with everything that happens, right. So we've retreated, we've had to go into quarantine, which we lose connection, but at the Mm -hmm. same time, it's um, you know, when we're, we're doing that because we need to do it for the greater good, right? When we say, well, why are we doing it? Yes, to protect ourselves, but to protect all of those people that are so vulnerable. And, um, so we, we're not connecting and in our not connecting are trying to connect, but it's, there's a disconnect with that, right? So it's like, we can't understand why by me isolating, I'm helping you and I'm more connected to the world because it certainly doesn't feel like that. And then, you know, the news, like you're saying, the news every day and the heaviness of the world, like that doesn't stop, you know? So we're dealing with this one thing that's, you know, throwing us all, um, out of whack in our, in, you know, just with all, all of our everyday life and our thoughts and, and our emotions. And then at the same time, we, we have our regular, you know, anxieties and fears and people are still getting sick, you know, for not because of COVID for just life reasons. And people are still having, you know, traumatic experiences that are not related to that. So that, that certainly hasn't stopped, which, you know, how much can one person take? It makes you think, right? So, right. Um, so you said you're not good at self-care, dude, but I'm going to point out that you yeah. journal, which yeah. is huge. That's huge. And you've always meditated. And so even if you just like, and I'm not, I think we need more and I love the things you're trying to integrate, but those things are so huge. And what a gift that you've given yourself to always do that. And I know, so our, our listeners don't know, but you know, you mentioned you're a poet, but you are so artistic. You are so creative. You are the one of the most creative people that I know. And you know, the other day you were making these signs and you're posting pictures like to yeah. me, okay, that's like how you also, that's, that's self-care, whether you realize it or not, like you were like, oh, I need to do this. And it's a physical, tangible thing for you. You've made yeah. jewelry, you've done mirrors and mosaics and boxes, mm. and you write, you've written poetry about us. Like I am yeah. so in awe of, of that piece. And I feel like, again, and this is why this conversation, like sometimes we don't realize the things that are really important to us and, and that do make up our self-care, right? That is you yeah. to me, that's you. And and you wouldn't be you and you wouldn't survive if you didn't do those things. So, yeah. um, hmm. yeah. Well, thank you. I Good didn't even point. think of that. Those are just like the go-to things, but now that <laughs> Now, <laughs> now that you point them out to me, maybe I am really good at <laughs> No, and I mean, I think a massage is good. Like, I think those things that we think about, yeah. oh my gosh, I'm not good at this. Like, even people who don't ever get their hair done or all through this, all they wanted was to get their hair done, right? That's so important. Or the pedicure, which you're crazy for not wanting people to touch your feet because they can touch mine all day. <laughs> um, and those are like, you know, absolutely things that that show the world and us that we're caring. But I think it's those subtle things that we have to say. Um, And to me, that was part of my routine, like getting up early, working out. That was self-care, not because physically how working out makes me look or what I wanted to see, but it was my mental clarity, right? It was like, if I didn't do this for myself now, and that was what I always did, that was how I survived, like raising little children and going to work. And so 
that to me is self-care, just that routine. So, um, yeah, so self-care has so many faces and that's what I really like about that. Um, so we'll let mayor chime in. What did, what did you do when you're not texting well, back your students at 11 o'clock at night? I mean, I mean, <laughs> now, that you, now that you've pointed out all of, all of, uh, Judy's, uh, artistic and, uh, <laughs> incredible, incredible skills and talents. Um, no, I think that, um, especially for women and, and, and moms in particular, right. I mean, we're always taking care of our kids. And for me, over, you know, the last 31 years that I've been a parent, I think that um, the first certainly half, even longer of that, it was taking care of the kids, taking care of the kids, making sure all their needs were met. And we do lose ourselves, or at least I can say I lost myself in that. Mm -hmm. um, and becoming a teacher, you know, I stayed at home for 12 years with my kids. It was such a great time. And I'm so grateful for that. But I did start to lose myself. Um, and self-care was not part of my routine at all. And then once I became a teacher, I was gaining more of my independence back and my self-identity and, and knowing the things that I wanted and identifying with that. Um, and then, as you both know, I had cancer four years ago. Mm. And that was a big wake-up call for me because that's the time where you really reflect and say, what do I do for myself? And where am I in this life of that I've created with these wonderful children who I love and I would do anything for, but like, if I don't take care of myself, I can't take care of everyone else. And so that was really a huge turning point for me where I went from, you know, splitting myself in 8 million different directions to first, I'm going to do something for myself today. And, and once I do that, then I know I can show up. Um, for the other people in my life that, that still need me. Thank you. So first of all, I'm trying not to cry on every podcast that I do. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, <laughs> well, I love that last statement. What you just said is so um, huge. If we don't take the time to take care of ourselves, there's no way we can show up for others. And I think, you know, you said as, as a mom, when our kids are little and sometimes we are working at the same time, sometimes we're sacrificing a career and just, and just doing our children or, or it's a choice, right? Whatever it is. Um, but that's, it, it's everything. It's our being and it comes at a cost. And then we wonder why we have days where we feel exhausted and we go to bed drained and we feel like we're not being the parent we want to be because we're, you know, aggravated. And, and it's because we haven't taking the taking time the for time. ourselves. Right. And so it's like mm -hmm. that thing that smacks you in the face and you're like, Oh, duh. Right. If I only did this, I could show up for that person too. And I think that that's one of the things that's most important, you know, that unfortunately it took your cancer to smack right. you in the face and say, Hey, you know, it's time that you took a step back and took care of yourself. And, and I can say that that was just in your relationship, you know, yep. that, you know, th everything that was happening at that time wasn't serving you. It wasn't, right. it was, mm -hmm. there was a lot of things that were just draining, which leads me to the idea of, of energy, right? So those were energy suckers. They were so draining and your self-care and you're taking that step back. Obviously you had to work double time healing yourself from cancer, but, um, thankfully we know that you are here and you did that, but, um, mm -hmm. All good. but that idea of, <laughs> of energy. And, um, yeah. I feel like the online world, at least for me being online and here we are, we're kind of podcasting and we're, we're all just, so you all know, we're selfishly zooming so we can see each other because it's more fun <laughs> to look at each other's faces while we do this. Um, but it does come at a cost. And to me, it like feels like it sucks the energy out of me. And if we do one thing for an hour online, to me, it feels like it's like five hours of something. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know if you have any, any, uh, ideas or thoughts on, on energy sucking, on how you replenish on anything you noticed, um, Mayor, anything at all, since we were just sort of talking about, about that just a second ago. Yeah. Well, during, um, our, the teaching time, the online teaching, the distance learning, whatever you want to call it. Um, I did, as you know, Tam, um, two other teachers and myself did, uh, two yoga, actually two yoga challenges, whoop, whoop. 30 day, whoop, 30 day whoop. yoga challenges. And, <laughs> Um, I've always dabbled. I'm not a huge gym person, but I've gone to the gym, you know, done the treadmill, taken some classes. I've, you know, done uh, online classes or videos back in the day at home and all those sorts of things. But I've always been a, an inconsistent um, exercise person, although I love it. I'm not a person who hates it when I'm doing it. I absolutely love it. But again, carving the time, 
um, making the time, making 8 million excuses why I can't do it. Um, but we did two back-to-back um, yoga challenges, and that was fabulous. That was literally, my one friend would get up and do it first thing in the morning, and she felt like that would give her the energy for the day. Mm-hmm. I would dive right into the work, and that would be my reward. And I literally mm-hmm. looked at it as my reward. Like as okay. soon as I unplugged, mm-hmm. I would run into my room and like get the yoga mat out. And I would be disappointed if that class that day was only going to be 30 minutes and not an hour. Um, because, you know, we were doing, we were following the daily classes, but um, that really was a salvation of uh, literally a salvation. I mean, I, I'm a walker, I'm not a runner. Mm-hmm. So I was going on walks on nice days. Um, but definitely yoga and, you know, I'm moving right now. So I've, I've paused the yoga and I paused the yoga when I went, um, to the West coast, although I was hiking. Um, but I can't wait to jump right back into it because I'm definitely, definitely looking forward to starting that again. It's interesting, right? When we think about energy and replacing energy and and everything you mentioned expends energy, right? Uh And, And that's what those things are. But somehow in the expending of that energy, we get more back. Right. And it's that, you know, that cycle of energy that it doesn't really ever disappear. It just kind of moves and shifts. So I love, you know, you had to find a way to make it work for you. You did it in the afternoon and that replenished you to then be able to make yourself a dinner or if you wanted to make cookies to make cookies or whatever it was that that you did. Yeah. Awesome. Jude, thoughts? Yes. Well, I didn't do a yoga challenge, but I was blessed (laughs) My yoga teacher do um, some sessions of um, online Zoom yoga, and I yep. attended this. And, um, but one thing I was doing that was a little bit of a habit, um, well, I had to walk the dogs every day, and I tried to make that, like, taking in, like, just the local common beauty, like, little things mm-hmm. on the dog walk that you just could otherwise walk by stopping to pause. And often I would stop and take pictures and maybe post them on Instagram and just being grateful for this most simple little Mm -hmm. things of beauty in your area, you know, like in your, just the domain that you commonly travel that you would otherwise overlook. Oh my gosh. I Um, love that so much. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We, we, we forget like just on a normal day. And I think especially with everything going on, it's easy to be like, Oh, another day of this. And, Oh, you know, I can't go here today or we can't do this, but to walk out and just be like, Oh my God, you did the other day. You posted a butterfly on your beautiful flowers, you know? And it is, you're like, okay, like, all right, that's, it's beautiful. Like that's, there, Mm -hmm. there are moments of beauty out there that you have to be aware of and be grateful for, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Oh my goodness. Um, So in the scheme of everything and as it went down and as everything was happening, did you need to um, reach out for support? And if so, like, what did that look like? Who was it? How was it? Like, what what did that look like for you? Or was there like... So it was liquid and it came in a bottle. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Got you. I think I I have that friend. Yeah, I think, I, I think we'd all be lying if we didn't say that, that was a comfort for sure. Um, we joke work. because while that can sometimes take the edge off, we know it's not like true <laughs> self. I know. We, it was, <laughs> no, it's that was a joke. It was completely needed. Yeah. But in case I have younger viewers, listeners yeah. that are under yeah. 21. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I love No, that. I think connecting with uh, – friends um, and reconnecting with like using tech, the same technology that was energy draining became energy sustaining yep. with our zoom happy hours and playing psych mm-hmm. with the girls. And sometimes we had all of us and sometimes it was just whoever could make it to the zoom when it became safe to socially distance with, with friends, we had a select like inner, you know, like the cohort of people you're going to socially distance with and just being around friends and laughing. And I think is the, that's everything, yeah. not just, you know, in right. air quote, normal yes. times, but um, <laughs> that's just all the time. Yeah, no, for sure. And so just a little side note, so people know, like, obviously we've already said we're, we're very good friends, but there's, there's nine of us or 10 of us. And we're, we have a, a thread, you know, a, a WhatsApp thread that we use and, you know, it's definitely in this time, like 
first of all, the timelines of who's texting at, you know, 11 in the morning versus, you know, five in the morning. And, you know, that, that is crazy enough, but I definitely think for all of us, that connection, um, there was always somebody there. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Did you have anything to add to that mayor, any other support that you needed? I think sometimes we're just not good at asking for support if we need it, or maybe we don't know where to go. Um, yeah, I think that, I mean, clearly, the, you know, the people that you work with who are in the same boat as you, what I loved about changing my job this year was, you know, I went from being a classroom teacher to now working with a team of teachers and sharing students. And so that was, I, I think, really beneficial, everything going on, to be able to have the support of the other teachers, but sharing the students. Mm. Um, and being able to talk about the kids that we hadn't seen online and the kids we were worried about. And so as a, as a professional support, that was huge. Yeah. Um, versus me just being the only teacher of these kids um, and me, you know, kind of floundering with not knowing what was going on. So that was huge. Um, you guys know, for me, my daughter, you know, she's 31. She is um, probably the best at self-care. Thank goodness. And at, now, she's close to you, Tammy, like she's so good about exercise and yoga and meditation. And so she's always, you know, the person who checks in with me, even if I don't check in with her and will say, Mom, you know, what have you done this week? Um, you know, are you are you doing the yoga? Have you done this? Um, I'm moving now. And she's still saying, you know, Mom, what have you been doing? Because I know you're moving, but that can't be the only thing you're doing. Are you reading? Are you watching a movie? Are you, you know, just taking that time to relax and replenish? So um, for me, she's my, you know, definitely my biggest support. And knowing, you know, she's the one who introduced me to the yoga that I was doing online. So she's um, always that that person besides, you know, our our incredibly strong group of women <laughs> who are constantly supporting and lifting each other up, which mm -hmm. we could never, I don't know how others, others do it without that support system. Sure. I love, mm -hmm. um, Emily, not only has these habits and that's who she is and, but she's so intentional. Right. And I yeah. think that that's also what's really important is I know for me, I have habits and routines, but I think I did them not as intentionally. I think looking back, I realized that's how I was self-caring and how I survived. But at that time, it was like, I, it were things that I just did. So even like I said, when all this hit and I knew routine, 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 looking back, that was my self-care. Like, thank God I did that, but it wasn't as intentional. So I love yeah. that she's a young woman who is so intentional and it's going to be with her forever. And she's going to yes. pass that along to all the children she works with. And if she does have children one day and God, that's so beautiful. And, um, yeah, I'm so grateful for yeah. that for sure. For sure. One thing that we all did, which was one of my it was probably one of the most draining nights we had, but it was also beautiful. We did a Zoom call and we actually called it group therapy and we gave everyone the platform to just talk about how they were feeling because I know that we texted and everyone knew it was tough, but it was just that moment where people could just unabashedly just say, what are you feeling? And, and again, we always know that we can do that, but this was the purpose. And oh my gosh, like we yeah. cried through the whole, I think it was like an hour <laughs> and a half of everyone mm -hmm. taking their turn, but it was so beautiful just to hear everybody's take on what was happening, how they were managing, what they were feeling. And everyone at the end, even though it was, I'm going to say heavy because it was heavy stuff that we were all yeah. feeling. Um, it, it made you feel lighter in the end. It was like, thank you for this safe space for being, you know, where I could just show up and talk about, even if, you know, you're thinking, Oh, your job isn't so hard. Why are you complaining? You know, no one said that we all just, right. you know, held space and it's really mm -hmm. hard to find places where you feel held. And so we mm -hmm. are very lucky, all of us that we, um, sure. meaning the three of us on this podcast that we have that space always. Um, mm -hmm. so I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I have something, and this is something I'll be asking each guest, but for you, it's going to be a little bit different. So I want you to just right now, I want you to think about the idea of how you treat yourself, right? And what do you think of yourself? So I know I'm really bad at being my own good friend. Like I know if I was talking to you, what I would say to help lift you up and pick you up and what I would say when you say, oh, 
really this happened and that happened and what I would do. Cause that's what we do. That's what friends are for. But do we do that for ourselves? So on a normal, I'm gonna say normal podcast, I'm going to ask the guests to talk about themselves as their own best friend. But for you two, since I do have you on like Judy, what would you tell mayor that you think, um, she could do to, you know, like as you're talking to her as her own best friend, like what she's done, that's been amazing through this. Cause we know, um, what strengths are going to carry her through. Cause we also are kind of knowing that this isn't going to end yet, that we're still going to be in some, some rough patches, or if everything goes back to normal tomorrow, what do we still need to remember? So if you look at your friend, Mayor, what do you uh, want to remind her about? <laughs> oh boy. How could she? So is it me reminding Mayor yeah. or am I assuming Mayor reminding Mayor? Like <laughs> you're reminding It's me. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So um, I would say one of the things that I most admire about Mayor is her strength. Um, she was the first among us to bring children into this world. Um, she is incredibly gifted in so many ways with self-possession and a sense of comportment and assurance that maybe is not, it, maybe she would say no, but that's how she presents in the world. And her being a cancer survivor who continued to hold her head up high and like say, I'm going to get through this, not just for her family, but for herself. Um, and she continued to teach. And I just think if you ever have moments where you feel like you can't do it, you need to take a good, strong look in the mirror because you really are a leader and a, a the epitome of, of female strength. Oh, my <laughs> Well, I can't say anything about Judy now because I'm crying. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, but I, and I'm just going to, while you're composing yourself, I'm going to say that you all have it easy. It's easier to look at your best friend and say these things because they're things that we believe in our heart. And, and you didn't have to like think long, Judy, I put you on the spot. I didn't like, we talked about <laughs> questions and stuff, but I didn't tell you I was going to, to say that. Right. But I think, right. you know, the flip to that is if I'm saying Judy, tell Judy what she's great at, like, oh my God, there's like a huge pause and it, it's, it's harder. Yeah. It's harder work to, um, mm -hmm. to be a, your own best friend. And, um, mm -hmm. yeah, so we can, we can dabble in a little of that too. Once Mayor goes, you feel ready. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes, I'm ready. Um, thank you. First of all, of course, Jude, um, <laughs> Judy knows, you know, and, and you talked about it before, Tammy, you know, Judy brings to all of us her creativity, um, but Judy has, you know, to, to not sound too, uh, anecdotal, but away with words, um, <laughs> that no one, to this, no one that I've ever known in my life, and, and I'm talking people that I've of, I've read, published authors, um, cannot do not have the skill to put into words um, as beautifully and as honestly and as I don't even know amazingly as Judy does. Um, she can capture a moment, she can capture a lifetime, she can capture an essence. Um, in 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 us, in people, in the world around her, and express it using words um, that are are just so woven together so beautifully. I, I I just you know, Jude, like I'm I'm in awe. Literally, you you can be in awe of my strength. I'm in awe of your mind. I mean, the 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 way your mind works and the way that you do see the beauty and everything, and 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 can can say it to the point where we can almost enter your soul and, and see it the way you do. And, and that is amazing to me. So, so any advice to you would be to continue um, when, when you're having a tough time and, and when this does get icy again, as I'm sure it will be entering the fall and the unknown and, you know, with your daughters and, and the challenges that they're facing right now at, at this time in their lives, um, trying to reenter school um, is to, to, keep that time for yourself to, to journal and to write. Um, you can write poems about me, you know, if, if you, if you can't think of another subject uh, and you'd like to, you know, start a book about me, that would be fine. Um, I would encourage it. Um, no, seriously, it's just, you, you amaze me with your verbiage. You know, that amazing. Yeah, I think we need 
to hear those words, you know, whether it's from another person or I think we absolutely need to be better at being our own cheerleaders. I think that's part of self-care and our own mental health. And it's not like being selfish or being egotistical or narcissistic. This is, you know, survival and it's belief. And if we don't believe it, right, how are we going to radiate that out? Right. And, and whether you've acknowledged it or not, like both of you do radiate those strengths out. You do. It's who you are. So, so there's some part of you that knows that. So you, I think we have to be really more intentional about tapping into that and, um, and bringing it forth on our own. So I guess my last question is just moving forward, whether it's summer break that you have a few weeks of, or now here we are in the, in the middle of our whole new world of how we're teaching this fall. Um, what, what can you do better? Right. What are you going to like? What is there a goal? Is there a thing? Is there something that you can say like, hey, I need to just in retrospect, I need to be better at this in order to be what if successful is the word, if mentally stable is the word. Um, yeah. What can you what can you do better? Um, well, yeah, go ahead. You want, go ahead, Mary. There you go. <laughs> well, I was going to just say, you know, I think for me you know, approaching this year and, and, you know, thinking about this hybrid model and the masks and the shields and the, you know, however we roll out, I think, and I've already, you know, thought about this because we are, you know, only two weeks away. I'm going to try to um, make a conscious effort to not be negative. Um, I think that I want to stay positive, Mm -hmm. even on the toughest days, you know, I don't want to do distance learning, but I also don't want to go back to school with masks and half of my class or what, whatever it looks like. We're, we're approaching things that can make people be negative. And I, I know, you know, it, it'll happen. You know, the teachers are going to get together for the week before the students get there. And there's going to be a lot of negative negativity um, just because we don't want to do this. We want things to be normal. We want to be able to lean over, you know, our kids' desks and talk to them or get our small groups together and have conversations. And knowing it's not going to happen um, naturally or the way it should is going to bring negativity. And I think for me, I'm going to make a very conscious effort to be better about not getting drawn into that. Um, Certainly not being the person who's going to start that conversation in a negative way, um, trying to pull the positives um, out of the situations that we're going to find ourselves in. Love it. Really. I don't think I could have said it better than mayor for all of my great verbiage, but I will say this though. I totally agree with that. Um, you know, try to default to the positive setting and then as often as possible, remain in the present. Mm -hmm. If we can stay in the here and now and not look back or, or, you know, ruminate on what's to come. Mm-hmm. I think we'll all do better. And then, of course, just tell the people you love that you love them as much as possible. Mm, yeah. I love those. I love yes, those. For sure. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, we're we're all good at things, but there's always things that we can do to be better. And I think that's what keeps us going as human beings. And especially, I know, in our group, we're always striving. We're always learning. We're always changing. Like, we're a really... I'm going to say intellectual group that also is the silliest, like stupidest at times <laughs> group too. Like we definitely have that. If you heard some of their humor, like for all of Judy's wisdom and her words, her humor is like, oh, oh my God, we didn't even go there. But, um, but yes, we, we always have ways to grow and be better. And I think we just need to think about it. So I love that you've already been intentional, Mayor, and said, hey, going in next year, this is important because if we don't make that kind of pact or agreement with ourselves, it's easy to whatever it is. And that ball of negativity gets going and it scoops us right up. And before we know it, you know, we're, we're out of control with that. So, you know, just in that one in particular, really important. Um, Oh my gosh. So this has been so amazing to chat with you and (laughs) to hear all of this and to share you both with whoever is listening out there. And I really, really am so thankful that you took the time to, to chat with me and hopefully it wasn't too painful. No, it was awesome. Um, we, Thanks for inviting us. It was us. awesome. I know we didn't have a glass of wine in front of us, so I feel a little <laughs> bad that I made you do this. Um, no, this was awesome. It's always great to chat with you girls, always. Yeah, so Ditto. I'm going to leave you with my kind of thought for you to be, I'm going to say, I guess, to be better or to, to things to think about. And I'm just going to ask you to remember to breathe deep, to 
be a little more intentional, like just like Judy said, with being present and to really look at becoming your own best friend. Because although, you know, we know that we're all there and the thread's only a second away, it, it starts from inside. So I just want to remind all of you to be your own best friend. Awesome thought, Tam. Love it. Yeah. Great advice, Tam. Thank you. Thank you. You're a gift. Love you, lady. Love you, Love too. You. I am so thankful that you tuned in today to spend time with me on living well while living online. I'm Tammy Riley, the host and also the director of fitness and well-being at Quinnipiac University. I would like to also extend a big thanks to Scott Holmes for his theme music and also our executive producer, the fabulous David DeRoche. This podcast is a production of the Quinnipiac University studio. To learn more about all of our podcasts, please visit qu.edu slash podcast. You can listen to all of them on any platform or app of your choice. And please, you can also check us out on Twitter and Instagram at QU Podcasts. We're always open to you sending us an email with feedback and suggestions. So don't hesitate to reach out at qupodcasts at quinnipiac.edu. I'm hopeful that you'll tune in next week when I am bringing to you the incomparable Dr. Lauren Gestahl, who is a Quinnipiac alumnus, a student who is near and dear to my heart. She's a physical therapist and also a Pilates instructor. She will be here to share her perspective on self-care as a healthcare provider. She also has a fabulous tip on using your senses to remember a special moment. So tune in to meet the soulful Lauren Gestahl. And until then, breathe deep, be intentional, and become your best friend.